Oh man, I got a new printer today. Whoa, what's it like? Oh yeah, we're woo, we're starting off with a bang. I got, I got, uh, I don't know. It's just one of those sort of like generalized. I don't even. I'm gonna yell because I'm so excited to share it. It's an HP LaserJet M M two zero three. It's um. Yeah. What do you have? What do you What are you playing with over there, Danny? You got the. So oh. what is this? What is this printer? What's this all about? Well, dude, do? I got my I got my fucking button printer, which is huge, and it's a nice Canon Pixma that I use for my like for my inkjet shit, you know, and it's great for making buttons and stuff. But like every time I like wanted to print out like a very legally document, like my tax returns or like mm. some shit like that, it's like you don't want to run that through the art printer. It uses up that precious ink, you know. Yeah, totally. uh, and it prints in Comic Sans every time. <laughs> yeah, you're just like, God damn it, it's broken. It's just like, like Comic no, Sans or what... Garamond. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, you it, it just auto it auto does that to that. And uh dude, I've uh, well actually I'll say this is a nice little nice little uh uh segue. Uh, once I got my once I got my Trump bucks, I was just sort of like, Hey, what's fun earning forty nine dollars? Let's do this. Nice Trump bucks, baby. Good yeah. for good for any steak and bottle of water at any Trump resort. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Also, it is worth noting that Staples apparently is an essential business. So you can you can go in there and buy a printer from them. <laughs> That's right, dude. It is important. I mean, I need to get my post-it notes. Sure, the apocalypse is coming, but I need to remind myself of what I need to do today with a hot <laughs> pink square. <laughs> <laughs> if I don't have that if I don't have that fucking square, my life will fall apart. Um yeah, you can kind of actually tell how uh how businesses are doing not how they're doing but just sort of the overall mood in them based off of the like um mandatory mask wearing or not um i found that the the staples the the staples is pretty chill with it they're not they're not worrying too hard about stuff they got a lot of that situation where you got guys with like the masks sort of hanging hanging around down here oh it's just a chill Uh, mask bro he's just a chilled oh hey hey like i got a mask yeah i'm not an asshole about it you know it's not like it's over my face and nose what am i a snob yeah it's only in new york where you you wear a mask with swag (laughs) yeah dude people wear like i i mean i i've been sort of like counting the businesses because the kudoba finally reopened uh right by me so my my favorite um you know fast casual eatery uh, in the neighborhood I was finally able to indulge <laughs> in again and I realized that the only reason they closed for like 3 or 4 days was purely exclusively to put up a, a gigantic sneeze guard <laughs> in front of the sort Whoa. of like area that that they normally have the vegetables because it's like set up like a chipotle you know you've got the the stuff honestly maybe if it was a nine millimeter dude you might be it's like (laughs) it it feels like a bank in there now and uh (laughs) it was it was like this onions no it it was just like a lovely progression and it was like it was a wonderful metaphor for me uh in the way i do like to fight with new york because when the coronavirus started the the qdoba remained open and they started out just being putting like those signs everywhere you kind of see where it was sort of like, uh, hey, make sure that, you you know, keep six feet away from each other. There's some stuff on the ground. And then they changed it. So there were just a row of chairs in front of like this, the sort of like oh, yeah. um, yeah, yeah, throughway yeah. area 
where you get your imp- as, as, sort of as like a physical reminder to just be like, please don't get close to the servers. Stop mm-hmm. pointing over the sneeze guard. Stop pointing. It doesn't help at all. <laughs> and then they literally they literally closed the place up full closed <laughs> for days just to be like. All right, you fucking idiots. We had to put up a full piece of plastic because you wouldn't stop leaning over and like being like, uh, can I have can I have the guacamole? It's just like so persistent. And I was like, you know what? I'm okay with that Kudoba. I love it. So Gabe, what's new with you, man? How how <laughs> have you <laughs> <laughs> uh, That was a good one. Uh so still still spending my life within a five block radius of my apartment, uh, which is very different than uh, Danny Feltz's uh, like sort of Blade Runner lifestyle as a, <laughs> yes. as a messenger in our uh, like techno dystopian future that we live in now where everyone is working from home. I'm a, uh, I, I don't do much other than take, take uh, small restorative walks around the apartment. <laughs> Hell yeah, dude. <laughs> <laughs> when I'm not FaceTiming and zooming with people. God, how's Manhattan Avenue? Manhattan Avenue is uh, pretty much shuttered except for the bodegas. Yeah, that 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 tracks for sure. So, I was del- I, yeah, yeah. I mean, people can walk around and stuff, but one thing that I, I feel like we've just been totally uh, stripped away from the consumer mindset for the most part, unless you're ordering things from Amazon. I mean, at mm-hmm. least for me, at least, uh, I, I I don't really go out. Uh, with money in my pocket, the only thing I go out with now is is a pair of keys, my keys to get into my building. Mm. So, is this what Cuba's yeah. like? Is this what Cuba's like? <laughs> yeah, know. for for what it's worth, that does uh that does play out all right. I mean, I don't know what it is. Bushwick is actually pretty hopping right now. I would say people are trotting around like normal, um, you know, in most places. But Greenpoint, um, not so much. It's much quieter over there. Yeah, do you do deliveries over in this area? Sometimes they sometimes they come over there uh like it but like they're always in that one area of Greenpoint that's like closer to uh Long Island City where like the really fancy lofts are over yes. on like Clay Street yeah. and like weird those like areas and then like you know the app that I work for will be like do you want to do a pickup in Long Island City and I'm like Fuck no, that shit sucks. I am not cr- crossing the Pulaski Bridge. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I fucking refuse. I am not going into Queens. So is, when is, you talk, is, is the creek in the cave an essential business? Absolutely not. This <laughs> 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 is the, the least essential thing that has ever existed. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if it's. I don't think it's open right now. Uh, definitely no open mics. But I do see it's hilarious <laughs> when Rebecca uh, Trent, who runs it, she owns the place. Whenever she posts on facebook that uh people are calling and asking like lunatics are still calling and asking if the mic is on are you fuck are you wait people what they're well okay i'm okay with the idea of somebody on march 15th calling and asking if there's an open mic if you in the year of our lord April 21st, 2020, are asking after a full month of New York City lockdown, oh, is the 6 p.m. mic going? What are you fucking insane? Like, yeah, what but, is what is wrong with you? But like, you know that there are like some like autistic edgelords who haven't spoken to anyone in weeks except for at open mics. That's like their entire life. Maybe entire, they, maybe it's like is, their, is one, their, their one phone call of the day, you know? Yeah, it's just their one phone. They just really want to talk to Rebecca. What if this is all just a plot? To fall in love with Rebecca Trent, like you know, it's like 
You like the wait- <laughs> you like the waitress. You just go to the same restaurant every day. You know, like maybe it's yeah. Just a, I can see I can see story. calling someone just uh just just for that connection, just to reach out yeah. and touch someone. You know. Yeah. But uh, what uh, what do you think with is gonna happen with all of these small businesses? Because I am. You know, I would miss I would miss the creek in the cave. I think and I don't think it's alone oh, yeah, in too. being in being uh like uh afflicted by this pandemic. Like what's gonna happen to all these small businesses? Is everything just gonna shudder and get gobbled up by like Omnicorp? I, I don't think everything is gonna get shuttered. I do think it's going to <laughs> I think one funny thing will happen is 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 a a fairly interesting new york phenomenon the weird little places that obvious that seem that seem like they were closed all the time uh if they don't go out of business those businesses will all just be like okay i was sure that was a front for drugs now i'm positive that's a front for drugs now (laughs) that that's that's one thing that is absolutely one thing that will happen um I think there is absolutely a valid worry about the consolidation of business for sure. Like you're just, you know, every, every, you know, thing that used to be a bodega or whatever is just going to turn into a Chipotle or another blessed Qdoba. Um, (laughs) But um, I honestly think it's going to be one of those situations where like it's going to half happen that way. And then there's also just going to be one of those kind of weird turnover moments where it's just like, yeah, now there's another there's another, you know, weird axe throwing bar in Williamsburg. It, what happened to the old one? Oh, it died. <laughs> but well, now th- now there's another one, you know? I, I mean I th- I think as long as like, you know, as we've like looked at from our other from like our other pandemic coverage, as long as we're willing to, you know, fight to keep these places open, then the government will impose some sort of laws that help them in some <laughs> way right like in theory you'd think that if you say oh we want to make sure that not every business becomes a qdoba and it, mostly because it's it's not that good you know not because it's a <laughs> chain at all uh but because i personally don't like it that much um but like it, it would be uh like i think i think that it just depends on like uh, what sort of legislation comes out of it to protect them? Like, it, mortgage payments are frozen, right? So as long as mortgage sure. payments are frozen and they're not going to have to pay them back once the quarantine ends, then, I don't know, Creek will go back to business, right? It's uh, it's it's It really is kind of up in the air. Um, I think I still contend that the worst business is hit by this. I mean, like, all bars. <laughs> Jesus Christ, what a... What a fucking ra- that it's like it, it's so crazy. I can't imagine being a bartender right now. I mean, that's just that's just one of those things where it's just like, yeah, if you if you did that, you just got to do something else for a couple months because there's just no bartending. Have you guys you gotten know? any? Have you guys gotten any cocktails to go from bars? I haven't. I see it. It's happening on Manhattan Avenue at a couple bars. I've How's delivered it? them. I, I've delivered a couple margaritas. Really? How's that? Uh, well, it's okay. For, I should. I should. I'm not like delivering a margarita in like a flouted glass. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like I take a margarita and just throw it in this entire glass thing into my bag and immediately explodes. Um, this one place that I've been delivering from, they are kind enough. They are blessed souls that they put the margarita in like a plastic container, like similar to a Starbucks cup, and then they wrap it with saran wrap, which is, okay. and then they also have a holder for it. So, oh, it's beautiful when they do that, you know. Do you have to wear a bow tie when you deliver them? 
and some suspenders. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, I and then I just come by. Uh, I am like, thank you for ordering. And then they're about to close their door, and I come up with the fajitas, and they're like, no, 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 no. <laughs> so you have a sizzler like, how plate. Did they, yeah. How did you How did you deliver the fajitas on a a sizzling cast iron pan <laughs> from Bushwick all the way to Park Slope? I'm just, I'm just that I'm just that good. <laughs> oh, all right, uh, guys. So what's how about you, David? What's going on, man? Uh, well, uh, my, uh, work, we just, uh, went public with our union. Hey! Solidarity forever. Danke, Shane. Danke. Gracias. We, uh, yeah, we just went public. We announced our intention to unionize on, uh, 420, baby. It was (laughs) beautiful. It was beautiful. Um, did you did you make did you make that decision? Were you the one who was like, "Listen, guys, this is going to line up on a very <laughs> special day. <laughs> we have to have this line up with Hitler's birthday. We have to. We have to. We absolutely <laughs> have to. The Aryan nation is depending on us. Yeah. You know what he would hate? Somebody unionizing, especially on his birthday. <laughs> yeah. Dude, he would hate that. He fu- he fucking would hate that. What are you um, talking about? Hitler was a leftist, right? Uh, <laughs> Yeah. National <laughs> socialism. Uh, but yeah, so uh, we uh, so I work for a, you know, I'm a reporter for a finance publication uh, called Pageant Media. I write about for my day job. I write about mutual funds and compliance issues. And basically, I haven't talked about where I work this entire time that we've been doing Ponzi Scream because I was worried that if I outed myself. Um, and I didn't talk about it on my social media either. If uh, I would word that if I outed myself, that they would use that uh, to retaliate against me, basically. Um, and that can still happen, but now that we're public, we have more protections, if that makes sense. Um, basically, what, David, David, I don't know what you're talking about, these managers retaliating. That does just never happens. What are yeah. you talking about? <laughs> it's, it's a bad thing. They're, uh, they would never do that. Uh, because they know that it's naughty. Um, that is why this for the same reason. That is why my cat never scratches the couch. He never does it because he knows it's he, bad. He, he knows it's naughty. He knows it's naughty. Uh, so He's being a not a naughty boy. So we went public. Uh, we have twenty six people in our editorial unit. We are hoping they will voluntarily recognize. Uh, we signed a little public petition, sending that to them. We all changed our icons on our company Slack pretty fucking cool uh and nice yep and uh in a all at the same time and stuff and we hope they'll voluntarily recognize they probably won't um because our the ceo of our company his father is or his grandfather is in the house of lords Uh, it is a british company and so i don't think that we're going to get like a super like uh welcome you know open arms sort of reception and so then we're probably gonna have to go to an election and because it's during coronavirus, we're doing the whole thing uh, remotely, and it's it's like we're gonna we like had all these special thing, all these like special processes that we had to get cleared uh, in order to be able to file publicly with with the National Liberal Relations Board, and then the election is gonna be like over mail. It's gonna be like a mail in ballot, like I'm in Washington State or something. So how long was this? Can you talk about like? Um how sort of what goes into unionizing a workspace or how long it took or 
Yeah. You know, so I- can you give away some of the secret sauce? <laughs> yeah, dude. A little bit. Uh, so I uh, this first started with me and a couple other people uh, maybe last June or July, and we have been slowly uh, reaching out to people uh, who we trust, basically. I mean, the thing is, is that it all has to be secret, and the strategy to reaching out to people is not like – Hey, I'm here with Planned Parenthood Union. You know, like, like it, it can't be like a canvasser on the street. Like, do you support PETA or like free comedy show or join the union? Like, it can't be that style. It has you got to gotta be, slide like, into the DMs. You got to slide into the DMs rhetorically. Yeah, yeah. Like, you have to be like, man, this job sucks, right? And they're like, yeah, I hate these benefits. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. And then and they're like, yeah, I hate these benefits too. And, the managers just treat you like shit and like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And there are, there's no women in this office. Like, you know, and they're like, yeah, no, no, no ladies. And like, man, if only we could like negotiate some terms, you know, but, but you know, we don't have a contract, so we can't do that. And like, yeah, I guess we don't have a contract. And like, yeah, that sucks, man. I mean, I guess the only really way to get a contract would be to, I don't know, like, I guess with like a union or something we could, we could, we could have a contract and like, yeah, I guess with that. And like, well, I mean, would that, would, would you be interested in that? And then, and then the person's like, huh, I never really thought about it. Yeah. I mean, I guess so. I guess I'd probably support a union. And you're like, okay, great. I've been lying to you this whole time. We're, uh, we've been <laughs> organizing this workplace. Now that I know that you trust, I trust you. Uh, we have like 70, 70% support of the union of, um, of the office already. And we want your support. Um, and so you have to do that with every single individual in the workplace. Um, and so it takes months. It can take forever. Um, and you can't do it on company you know, time. You have, obviously, it has to be secret because they can um, – retaliation is illegal, but it's also very easy to cover up retaliation with some other pretext, right? Yeah, because you're yeah. wasting time. You're doing other things when you're supposed to be on the clock. Yeah, or you, I mean, or you can say, like, uh, we're firing you because you showed up to a meeting 10 minutes late. And yeah, you'd be like, yeah, what? yeah. Because, like, every day everyone commits a tiny little sin at their office, right? So they can always find some excuse. Like, we weren't happy with your performance. That's why we're firing you. And they'll just say that's that. That's right. And that, that's, that, that's all you can really. So you, and then you have to, like, go prove, you know, you have to, like, get a, lawyer and you have to go prove that you were discriminated against and that that just like takes a whole lot of work and that can take months and stuff and so uh you have to be very quiet you have to be like very secret about it did you have a you uh were there outside forces that helped you like um existing unions that kind of um help steer the conversation or uh offer any sort of support well i got in touch with um uh dsa's labor branch uh, Ooh. And they gave me a bit of a training on how to unionize, and they also got me in connection with the News Guild. Um, so I would highly encourage anyone who's interested in unionizing to attend a DSA meeting. Uh, and especially if you live in New York, the labor branch uh, is the best place to go do that. And they just have all sorts of resources, and they're very well connected in the labor movement. So, yeah. That is uh that that's how I got connected to the News Guild, and then the News Guild kind of held our hand the entire way, starting in maybe September, October. We got in touch with them finally, 
Um, another mm-hmm. hard thing was just that our office has really high turnover because it sucks. And so people were leaving all the time. So we'd have to like recruit new people all the time where we would lose like four people who were supporting the union beforehand. Um, so that was also another reason for the delay. I mean, we had one person who straight up, she lost her job because my company like, well, I shouldn't speak about this, but we would, uh, I, I don't have permission to speak about that publicly. Yeah. Uh, like, <laughs> confidential. <laughs> Woo. Uh, yeah, but anyways, they, they let's just say the company has treated people poorly uh, in ways that would be surprising and very, very fucked up uh, regarding immigration procedures, regarding paid family leave, uh, and pay, general, like salaries. Uh, so yeah, we are unionizing, hope to go public, uh, voluntarily recognized. If not, we're going to have an election to, uh, about a month from now. Is um, I have a question, actually, uh, as considering the optics of what you were describing how you guys all put your your slack um avatars as your union um logo and and what have you i have to imagine uh doing a sort of act like that in a place where you might have to like uh interact with somebody directly is uh <laughs> very it could be very awkward because i mean it's it's like the equivalent of for a while, you're just sort of like, I mean, we're all kind of secluded right now. So you're not in your office walking around, hanging around the coffee pot, etc. But if you were, it would be like everything's normal until one day uh, David and then 27 other of his friends have all uniformly decided to wear a giant green wig. And it's <laughs> and you're just like, yep. This is I've been I've been planning this for months. <laughs> but the and then, gi- and then uh, <laughs> the giant green wig also says, like, we want to take control of this office. How antagonistic were they to you or just what were the uh, how what was the resistance that they were able to put up and the negotiating? They haven't issued a formal response yet. We sent the email. I've been in two days worth of meetings Everyone has had conversations with management. They have not mentioned it once. So nothing so far. But that's probably because they're preparing a formal response. There are things that management is not allowed to say legally. They cannot say, uh, you know, if you join a union, you will lose your job. If you join a union, uh, we will go out of business. Um things like that they are not allowed to say. So they have to be very careful about some of the responses that they give. And technically we have to as well, but there's far fewer restrictions on, uh, on, on the union in terms of what they can say during a campaign before we achieve certification. So really like they've started have they, they got whiff of our union maybe three weeks ago before we went public and they had spoken to a couple people about being like, yeah, the union, uh, you know, that'll make it really hard for us to fire people. And we're like, well, that's kind of the point. That's not. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, that's... what are you talking about? You mean the worst thing that can happen to people when they're employed? <laughs> Shut the fuck up. <laughs> yeah, that, that is not quite the like positive that you think it is. Uh, so that uh, has been, we've he- heard that. We heard one thing that they said, like, well, the union at the Financial Times uh, supported a, uh, this guy who was accused of sexual harassment and they supported him. And the funny thing about that is there's no union at the financial times. Like, 
Oh, man, there's dude. A, <laughs> there's a reasonable chance that that just never happened. <laughs> uh, like, <laughs> uh, so they'll just lie. And, the, and they tried to lie about a couple of the situations. And, um, you know, they're allowed to lie. Yeah. They, they are allowed it, to you lie, know, but they can't say they, they can't issue threats. You know, you know what this is, actually? I, I cannot remember the exact Supreme Court case because it's escaping me. Frazier versus Cup was a United States Supreme Court case that affirmed the legality of deceptive interrogation tactics. Acting on a tip, police picked up and interrogated Martin Lee Frazier, a 20-year-old U.S. Marine, about his possible involvement in the murder of Russell Anton Marley. Frazier, along with his cousin, Jerry Lee Rawls, was seen at a bar with the victim before the murder. During the interrogation, police falsely informed Frazier that Rawls had already confessed and implicated him in the murder. Frazier denied any involvement in the crime and suggested speaking with an attorney, but police continued to question him. Police elicited a confession, which was used against him at trial. But apparently, there's like a Supreme Court case on file that says it is actually like very legal for officers, cops, etc., to kind of like lie to you to get you to, to give the information that they want mm -hmm. to give. <laughs> yeah, which uh, it's so they can be like, look, buddy, you know, I get it. We all make we all make mistakes. Like I smoked the ganja back in the day as well, 420. So if you just let me know about this, and we can kind of move past it. And then you like you're a teen who's like, okay, I did it. And they're like, and you're going to jail. And and it like yep. you know they can totally do that. And like that's the cops. So if like that's what the cops can do, I mean like. If you're, <laughs> you're, a, you're a private business being like, I don't know, man. I heard that there was this other guy who worked at the dick sucking factory who had to go on like unpaid uh, medical leave because uh, he's tried to start a union. The local, um, the local DS, uh, um, what would you call it? What would the dick sucking factory union be called? Uh, DSFU. Uh, dick yeah, or, you know, dick suckers strong. Yeah, or, um, uh, the bit, uh, the local <laughs> bit, big naturals, local 25. Like, I don't know. I like kind of like that or, um, I don't know. We'll, we'll come up with something. Maybe, okay. maybe, yeah, maybe yeah. by it, the it, end. Yeah. Edit, edit keep it in, in the back one later. Yeah. Keep it, keep it, uh, keep <laughs> it in the back of your head. If we don't come up with something. Um, uh, but yeah, uh, D the, the local DSLs. There you go. There it um, is. yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, I totally would expect you know, upper management like that to just straight up be antagonistic to it to the point where it's just like, yeah, I want to partially fabricate some facts here. <laughs> that sounds do, about yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so that's what I'm expecting over the course of the next couple of weeks. And I will keep you guys posted as to. And how many people are stuff. in the union? So how many employees? 20, there's 50 people or 46 or 48 maybe in the U.S. office, but we are not including salespeople in our union. We tried uh, to include them. We. Rec tried to recruit very heavily on the sales side, and they were not interested. So we went forward without is it, them as just just journalists. Uh, yeah, I'm sure the salespeople they make all their money off of commissions. That's right. And so there's no there's no incentive because there's no the salary doesn't matter. Yeah, and some of the uh, salespeople have equity in the company, and a lot of them are very very close to management, uh. and they're like here. Uh, some of them are like coming over from London and they're really only here for like study abroad, basically, you know, like it's like the, it, it feels like study abroad to them. So they don't really have any stakes in the, in the company in a real way. And then some of them are like 22 and just graduated from, you know, 
Columbia or NYU or and just want to make a lot of you know are just feckless and childish you know interesting uh, bunch yeah. of proper bro a bunch of proper bruvs just trying to get their their USA experience on you know literally yeah <laughs> um <laughs> <laughs> so you, you deal with see you try to recruit some chaps <laughs> dude I have learned so much British slang since uh working in uh, uh, uh for an English company it is it's just like astounding there's so much linguistic diversity uh of accents in the uk and i love all of them i think they're all funny and stupid and bad and right great. you're like you're like oh that guy's definitely from manchester oh that's a lower class son of a chimney sweep from bath yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they sound very yeah. different from a, a south ender yeah 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 so well there on that i'm i'm looking forward to hearing your uh your grime uh MC album. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then they when they when they rap and shit, it's like they don't even try to hide the accent. We're like, oh do 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 it just like has that weird kind of like Yeah, go on, go on. <laughs> I love that show so much. Um I didn't know I didn't know you watched that show. Uh so here's the thing, I don't. Oh, <laughs> so if you guys uh, could just follow uh, we are PMWG on Twitter. So W-E-A-R-E-P-M-W-G on Twitter. Uh, that's our union's Twitter account. Follow us. Uh, retweet our shit. Uh, basically, our readership is not going to be supportive. <laughs> like what what are you talking about <laughs> yeah like most journalists unionize using like some public pressure campaigns like recognize our union we're buzzfeed you know all of our readers are like you know 24 and in theory like dogs and obama you know and so they would be like you know support our union and we put pressure on it and stuff like that but like for us our like uh the people who read our publication are hedge fund managers um, the like top compliance, top compliance officers officers at like Fidelity and Prudential and like a couple SEC com- and like a couple SEC staffers. Um, so a bunch of free market <laughs> bros. Yeah, just like the people who you would expect to be like most antagonistic to the idea of unions are our readers. So we're just not even really anticipating anything remotely close to support. Um, from them, <laughs> from them. <You're> re- <laughs> <laughs> it turns out you turns out you got a real bad response from a uh, University of Chicago. Wow, that's so weird. Wow, that's crazy. <laughs> Speaking of which, we do have to do an episode on the University of Chicago at some point. Yeah, yeah, we do. Uh, let's should we jump into the 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 stuff? Um, we should hit the. We got to talk about. We got to talk about that goddamn <laughs> the uh, the forfeiture the or the the possible stimulus check forfeiture, right? Yeah. Yeah, so this is from uh, Prospect, like the American Prospect. Uh, basically, your bank can take your stimulus check if you owe them money. Any creditor who you owe money to can just take your stimulus check. So, like, except for, like, I think student loan payments and mortgage payments and some states' healthcare payments. Uh, but any other debt you owe, they have the right to claim your stimulus check. So, like, the thing that is supposed to keep people alive during this 
uh, and key people afloat can just just be soaked up by your bank or whatever, whoever, whatever they want. Uh, so, and so uh, in some ways, the government should could have just written a check directly to the credit card companies that you owe money to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> and like Would've bypass your name on the envelope at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this is sort of like one of the. So it's like you know when the, when the coronavirus first hit and everything and. Uh, Donald Trump and, you know, the Republican-led whatever was first being like, oh, maybe we'll give people a little bit of money, you know. The the first initial reaction was just like, Jesus Christ, you know, like these people, these these absolute, like, goons are actually going to out, like, out-leftist the, the Democrats on the situation. But everybody kind of knew in the back of their head, like, there's absolutely going to be, like, a degree of strings attached, you know to whatever happens here you know no nope, i don't i don't think anybody looked at that and was just sort of like oh yeah they're acting out of uh, good faith and everything and <laughs> as as these checks are are being actually received uh, and like i said i got mine um probably about five days ago uh like uh this is you know these are one of those little hurdles that people are going to run into mm-hmm. and it is in this case solely dependent on how evil and how much your particular bank and or uh, private debt collector is willing to be. That is very much what it was sort of implied in the article that we read, because it basically said like, it's like, look, 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 there's a provision in here that says you can do this, but we really leave it up to the discretion of the banks and the financial institutions over whether they want to do this, essentially implying that trying to take people's, bail out money away from them in the middle of a crisis would be incredibly bad PR. But like, you're basically asking if like the Grinch wants to be the Grinch or not, you know? Um, and, and he does. I really, I really think he wants to be, yeah, yeah, I really <laughs> think, I really think he wants to do that weird smile that curls all the way that around mm-hmm. his face. You know, mm-hmm. if I were to predict this, I would say, here's my, pre- here's my, here's my prediction prediction. You can take it to the bank. All right. I don't think Wells Fargo is going to do anything. I don't think Chase is going to do anything. What I do think will happen is that you're going to see some weird, like, thing of a thing of a thing institutions trying to take people's checks. Um, Because the big banks, they already have incredibly bad PR right now. So if you do get people trying to do this, I think you're going to get weird sort of, like, tertiary named, uh, you know, debt collectors, like, named... Name something like national security, uh, financial uh, institutions trying to take your money or whatever. The the Makes obscure sense. guys, the B the B side guys. Yeah, yeah. And what do you the, think? And a lot of those are just subsidiaries of, of Wells Fargo and J.P. Morgan Chase, anyways. So, uh, yeah. Okay. Well, so that sounds really. That's a bummer. That's really unfair. <laughs> what do you uh, think, Gabe? What do you think is going to happen? What do I think? I think uh, that these stimulus checks don't really amount to enough. Because how many people do we have unemployed now? Like 18 million. And uh, if you're looking at a stimulus check that's $1,200 and the average rent in the United States is around $1,200 a month. And if this goes on for four months, then we're, that's, we're still three months rent short. What percent of the population is living paycheck to paycheck? <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, if it's New York, it's basically everybody in New York who isn't part of the 1% or whatever. Uh, 
I, other places in the country, I, I couldn't be sure exactly, but I mean, suffice it to say that most people have some version of debt or whether it's student loan, medical, uh, just trying to pay rent, all that shit, you know, car payments. Are we supposed, like, guys, we all supported Bernie. Like, are, we're supposed to have his stump speech memorized at this point. He said, what? He's like, something percent of people are living paycheck to paycheck. You, yeah. you know that that was part of the, you know where that was in his speech. You've heard it a million times. What was it? Was it 40%? Is that what it was? I mean, that, that sounds like a conservative number, but yes. Yeah. <laughs> I know way, I know, he, I never, I got Bernie's speech, I, but I never memorized what he said. I always memorized when he said it. So he would yeah. always say something like this, like in the back third of whatever speech he said. I mean- I can. I think you could say within basically like an eighty percent margin of correctness that he would say "look" as one of the first three words that he would say in any in yeah. any single speech. Like you could you could depend on "look" or "the American people." That would that would usually show up there sometimes. Uh, but yeah, I just I mean, love seeing all... him get riled up. It was so funny just to see you could like see him just like slowly building up pace on like Colbert's couch or something like that. You're just like, oh, he's just going into it. He's just like the record is starting to move again. It was just funny to see. Yeah, once he once he got momentum, he was always good. Every anytime he got interrupted, though, it was just like whoo! It was like, you know, starting uh, like a really complicated juggling act over again. Like it's like, damn it, I got to start all the way from the beginning. <laughs> it, this sucks. This sucks. I'm so bummed out right now because I I watched a uh, a Trump promotional campaign uh, clip on Twitter today. And uh, and it just showed like miles and miles of people waiting in cars to go and get one bag of groceries and just like the haggard faces of poor people who are completely like without jobs and destitute. Uh And then it cuts to what's Nancy Pelosi doing? And it shows her (laughs) talking about like the 16 different assorted uh flavors of chocolate ice cream she has in her twenty thousand dollar uh like double refrigerator double freezer and whether or not we agree like you know obviously trump is trash and he's he is definitely the problem uh the democrats have not yet decided to like portray poor people as someone that they're fighting for yeah so You know, uh, that video looked like, a, it, it, like basically that promotional clip looked more like a Michael Moore video or movie than anything the Democrats are putting out. It's yeah. going to, well, uh, rest assured, it will end up in a Michael Moore video it's, or, or movie. I could, I can guarantee that. That ice cream thing, mwah, it was beautiful. <laughs> have you, have you two seen that? <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll send you that, that, uh, that tweet and that video. How many, dude? How many years do you think left she's got to live? Well, what is she at now? Is she in, the old ones? They these like people at the top. They live forever, man. They live to be like hundred and ten years old. They're all ghouls, and they just don't leave any space for new, uh, young blood to come in and change yeah. things. Dude, I bet, I bet, like, if we're real, it's like, I bet it's a moderate guess that Nancy Pelosi could realistically live to be 100 years old. <laughs> like, like, we both know. Yeah, and she's not she's, the worst person out there, but, like, it's just that uh, she's just so out of touch with everything that needs to happen right now. And, 
I don't know. It's like Henry Kissinger's another one. Well, he is the worst, but it's like th- there's that thing where like the more evil you are, the longer you live. Yeah, Henry Kissinger is definitely like the little boy with his finger in the dike. You know, like once he goes, there's a high chance that like all the other ghouls start to go because <laughs> <laughs> that he's he's the canary he's the canary in the coal mine as far as I'm concerned. He's the first domino in the domino oh, yeah. theory. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, he's not going uh, anywhere, I'll- guys. He will never die. I'm sorry. I I I like I I find it um, insulting. That you guys would insult this great diplomat by even thinking that he would ever die, ever. He will never die, and it is an insult to think that to think that he ever would. They're gonna they're gonna attach they're gonna attach up Henry Kissinger to that weird sort of like claw machine in like the new Star Wars movie where like Emperor Palpatine is like being controlled by a weird sort of, you know, like Assassin's Creed <laughs> style, like I've been kept alive this entire time. Like <laughs> that's how right. that's how he's gonna go. He's like my corporeal form might have disintegrated, but my soul lives on and he'll just enter a new young diplomat's body. Yeah. Y- yeah, yeah. Um, jo- Josh yeah, Hawley so- is a supple specimen. <laughs> 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 Always hunting for supple specimens. Um, strike, so strike I, I want to talk. I want to talk about uh, one thing before we move on to Ebola, and this is kind of related to this. I just think it's speaking of like decrepit institutions having new blood in them. Uh, the Atlantic wrote an article saying that the United States is a failed state, just openly, and at the same time, Forbes. Uh, these are two different people. I mean, I think. I don't know who I know, I know who one of them is. I don't know who the other one is. And they he said that after the pan, uh, coronavirus pandemic happens, we will have a revolution. So Forbes and The Atlantic are both openly, basically openly calling for a revolution. What the fuck? <laughs> um, the Atlantic one, uh, the Atlantic one was very. Look, I don't read The Atlantic very frequently. Every time I see that big red A. That long, that long ass skinny uh, A at the top of a uh, thing. I'm just sort of like, get that, yeah, get that shit out of here. I much, do, I will say that. Look, uh, the Intercept isn't right all the time, but I love, I love their logo. I love the Intercept's logo. Mm-hmm, but, mm-hmm. um, but the Atlantic, <laughs> you know, you you're you're basically in for some weird flowery writing and stuff. And they definitely did not disappoint. Um, they they they. I looked at this article and I was like, okay, this is three paragraphs too long. Uh, Mm -hmm. And um, look, I I mean, like, it's cool that that they were willing to just sort of be like, things are changing. We are at a point in history where anything could happen. But I think they they definitely took a very, um, they said it in a like a super milquetoast way. Like that was the whole uh, feeling that I got from that article where their thing is we are we're going through a sea change of stuff and it's like okay dude you're you're like you're calling out every single thing but the thing that we're all talking about you know uh he spends a lot is, of time criticizing jared kushner but he never really says like capitalism is bad yeah i mean it, and that's the funny thing too he even says like jared kushner was built and born into a nepotistic system in which he would eventually become one of the most powerful aides to one of the most powerful offices in the country. And you can't just be like, I wonder what kind of system would have provided that, (laughs) you know? 
Well, I mean, I I, I kind of like that they uh, targeted this uh, the rapacious nature of deregulating everything, and that Jared Kushner was uh, was the uh, a princeling product of the Reagan Revolution, having been born yeah. in like eighty one, I think. Oh yeah. And so they did kind of bring up, I mean, all of this stuff is, is the Reagan wasn't the beginning, but he was sort of the dismantling of New Deal policies and like strong federal regulations against business. And in that, it's uh, there, the article kind of pinpointed that moment, that sort of Reagan revolution is sort of the beginning of the uh, dominoes that have led to this pandemic now. I might have been reading into it, to, like giving these guys too much credit in saying that, but that was kind well, of the gist that I took away from this is that. No, these certainly. Are, yeah. That we were already, uh, what is it, underlying, the underlying health conditions. Yeah. That, uh, that, we, that we had that made us more susceptible to this uh, pandemic. Yeah, and I think that that's all true. Um, I think that the difference is when you're calling out the regulatory state crumbling bad, right? But right. the crumbling regulatory state is not the only way that you create unchecked privately held power. There are other legal and non-legal ways in which inequality has been very, very bad and climate change has been very, very bad. Not just because like, Trump relaxed <laughs> the EPA rules on gold on coal and gas, right? Like the right. fact that the fact that like uh I don't know, the fact that like union membership is down, we basically haven't enforced antitrust since the 70s. The Democrats have basically pivoted to technology will save us from the evils of capitalism, not class not like class politics and basically conceding the inherent economic argument uh, arguments of the conservative project. You know what? If I were a professor, <laughs> if I were a professor reading this, I would say uh, uh, my my my. I would I would pull out the red pen. <laughs> I'd immediately just like start circling stuff and being like, "Why?" <laughs> and then like too flowery of language, you know. And then uh, I would write at the bottom like, "Good first draft." Should have considered editing more. You know, that, that that's um, and that's actually kind of what this article felt like a little bit, too, where it was just sort of like, all right, this man is clearly trying to hit some sort of word limit here Uh, because it oh, wasn't yeah. short. It was not a it was not a short thing. And like, look, buddy, I love like I enjoy I enjoy calling, um, you know, Jared Kushner a fucking like whore crux as much as any other person. Um, <laughs> But uh, I, you know, hey man, it, we're we're leftists. We are uh, we write too much. We write too much. And we go to too many meetings. That is what being a part of the left is. And it's weird to see the cultural of the left being appropriated by something like the Atlantic. I think it's cultural appropriation, actually. So, what is this yeah. guy's final point, though? What is he? What I mean, how is this? What what What's what his, is like, the solution way? at the end? He doesn't he, have one, does he? We can learn from these dreadful days that stupidity and injustice are lethal. That in a democracy, being a citizen is essential work. That the alternative to solidarity is death. After we've come out of hiding and taken off our masks, we should not forget what it was like to be alone. 
I just, okay, you know, it's just. The, the alternative to solidarity is death. Like, I just don't. I, I, it's like, look, dude, I fucking get it. I, I, I get what you're talking about, but like, he's, he's, this was another part of that article that he kept going on about where he's just sort of like, Donald Trump is one of the worst people who's ever existed ever. And it, it was, I'm like, dude, I'm, I'm tired of calling Donald Trump, Trump dumb. All right. That is a, that is a conversation that happened five years ago at this point. Mm-hmm. I don't need to call him dumb anymore. Of course I know he's dumb. Of course I know he's a narcissist and he's like unstable. It's like, well, I don't know why you you guys like again, you're you're just filling, you know, a word count at this point. Like call call it what it is. Say, call say, you know, uh you know, just just say what you need to say and 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 don't uh, I don't know. They're just be they're just being the fucking Atlantic about it. <laughs> uh so that was the Atlantic. The Atlantic was being the Atlantic. The next one was Forbes. Uh, very similar. Uh, I'll just give you guys the last paragraph. Basically, he t- this whole piece, he just shits all over baby boomers. He basically calls baby boomers <laughs> the worst generation and the most greedy and rapacious generation that has hollowed out all the gains and privatized them for their own plunder uh that was that were built by their by previous generations go uh, on um <laughs> <laughs> uh, so he also says that uh millennials are quote unquote the hero generation and he gets into this weird almost like eugenics kind of uh cyclical lifestyle life cycle of transformation and guys we're the heroes we're going to be like the new greatest generation apparently so that's what he's arguing. And then at the very end, he says that we are going to enter an era of technological humanism. What the? What? <laughs> you know, it's like I, I love how people make the comparison with generational stuff. Um, I think what they sort of show, they show their hand, though, when they when they they make these sort of illusions like, oh, the, the millennials are going to be the greatest generation, et cetera, et cetera, whatever. And when they say that, it's like they they forget the generation that came right before the greatest generation, which is if you were born between 1888 and like 1905. And that is a generation called I used to have a bit about this, which is why I know this. And that's a that's a generation that's called the lost generation. (laughs) And it was literally. Yeah, I know. It was literally a generation built around the begin, you know, the turn of the 20th century uh of of people who were like lost they were the people who fought in world war one they and the spanish uh, flu yeah this they they encountered the spanish flu they they encountered all the stuff um that the you know that basically preceded um the massive financial collapse of the 1930s um before that um so i just i just think it's like Look, I, I love shitting on uh, I love shitting on boomers more than uh, uh, you know as much as anybody else. But it's and and I'm willing to concede that like yeah, as a millennial, it's it's probably pretty hard uh, to deal with this. But I, again, I don't think the solution is being like as long as we all have uh, faster and, and more accessible broadband connections, we will will be perfect. You know, <laughs> uh, what I will say, I mean, like the lost generation. They suffered from World War One. Um, 
and then after them came a hero generation uh <laughs> and then there us, was the silent yeah, generation yeah and then there's the silent generation and then the boomers and for us we are the new hero generation and the one before us was also lost you know they were uh they suffered from not having an from kurt cobain dying too young they, Gen X, Gen X, yes. yeah, Gen Xers. Kurt Cobain died too young. I mean, that was basically like World War One and the Spanish flu combined. Also, uh, pre coming of age, pre the uh, internet, and pre the tech revolution. So, being just one mm -hmm. or two years older at the end of Gen X, you're not going to be as tech savvy. You're also yeah. not going to have the same optimism because. Oh. Because uh, you remember bad things like the Challenger blowing up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I, there's I also mean, fear of AIDS. Uh, oh and yeah, growing that's up a in a completely one. sexually repressed eighties. Oh, and yeah. uh, what else is a big deal? Oh, the Cold War. How about a fear of nuclear radiation and just uh, mm -hmm. another mm -hmm. form of like apocalyptic? Closer to now, I'd say. The grimness of this pandemic era is a is a very condensed um, microcosm of what entire like an entire decade of of arms race nonsense. Yeah, you you know what it's. I think uh, <laughs> I, I love I, I do love the an, uh, analysis of the various generations and, and, and like the illusions that get made. Um, I, I like I, I when people say like, oh, man, the millennials are going to be the net. They're going to be like these like they're going to try. They're going to work so hard and stuff like imagine it's like, I, you know, we're all roughly a similar age range. It's like, did you ever have that experience when you were like a little bit younger and your 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 grandparents came? And for me, like my grandparents were all born somewhere around like the late 20s to like the early 40s, essentially. That, that's nice. that was the, that was their age. You had some young grandparents. Rate. Nice. Hell yeah. I know. Man. I know. Um, I think my my grandmother, <laughs> who's the only one left, she's 80. She's 90. She's 90 right now. Hell yeah. So so like whenever we whenever I talk to like my granddad and everything like that, they were always sort of like jovial, like, oh, yeah, you know, greatest generation. Oh, we, we pulled ourselves up our bootstraps. You know, my 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 mom and dad were both boomers. But then you'd be like, well, what was great grandpa like or whatever? And he was like, mm -hmm. oh, he was a marauder. Like <laughs> he, he roamed, <laughs> he roamed the he roamed the plains and uh, and, and stole apples when he could. <laughs> I it's like we we forget that that generation just right before that was just like so perilous, just so who, like <laughs> who was who was before the lost generation? Do we know? Did they have a name or was that they didn't? Bullshit? They didn't. That was that like the Victorian era. Yeah, uh, the, yeah, we yeah. didn't we didn't really have generations before that was just the Victorian era. You know. <laughs> so, so just like Teddy Roosevelt invented generations as a concept, something like that. Fucking weirdo. I'm sure if you go I, back to Europe and uh, if we cared to like, you know, uh, Europe had pop culture before we did. Not like mass mm -hmm. cult, not mass media culture, but they yeah, definitely yeah. had. I'm sure if you went back to like London and Paris, they would talk mm -hmm. about their different, uh, the 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 spirit of the age. Because that's yeah, really oh, what man. you're talking about with generations is like, what's the zeitgeist, the common uh, cultural touchstones for all these people? Yeah, in like the 1860s, all the kids born between 1860 and 1880 were the, like 
the Coley's, the kids who grew up with coal. <laughs> All yeah, these yeah, yeah. damn Coley's are ruining, you know, they're <laughs> so entitled. They think that they can get heat in their homes, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Every once in a while, you, maybe you've gone on YouTube and you've seen, like, one of those things where, like, we actually auto-timed correct an old film reel of france in 1899 and it's you're like damn it was popping back then it was pretty the guy you got those awesome hats on and stuff everybody's chilling on it like in their horse and carriages you got the eiffel tower all shiny and new this is tight as hell you know tight but it's yeah. funny uh I, I don't know again on twitter somebody posted the, a great tweet about um like boomers and i don't want to like rag on any generation but they were like millennials have it so well and then somebody posted the timeline that was like, yep, born, uh, like born into a, do there was a dot-com bubble burst. Then immediately yeah. after that, there was 9-11. Then. Yeah. Don't forget uh, the 2000 election. Yeah. The Iraq war. Right. 2000 yeah. election, war in Iraq. And then like, you just keep going and it's like been like a nonstop series of like terrible things happening from like Hurricane Katrina to the BP oil spill to uh, uh, the recession in 2008 mm -hmm. which is before bp but like it hasn't been it's been financially precarious the whole time yeah i feel like our whole generation has just kind of been like uh charlie brown with the football and, uh, <laughs> and, and lucy you know and lucy is god <laughs> the football yeah the football is like the boomers being nice or something i don't know yeah, if I if I were to say to anybody how I feel about this in an overall sense, I would just say, "Hey man, look, let's not let's not narrow this down to such a tiny sort of framework. We can take the bad stuff from all types of generations. We get to <laughs> we can have the uh, political and uh, civil rights instability of the 1960s, the sort of turbulent uh, dirge of the 80s, the having no infrastructure and no medical health care of the teens in the 19s. Like we can have it all. Mm. We can have it all. Don't, don't worry about it. You know, <laughs> the yeah, war man. of the war of the greatest generations. Don't, don't you, don't you worry about so, it. So we got one more thing we want to talk about really quick. Uh, we want to talk about the, this is part three of our epidemic coverage. Yeah. And, and let's go over real quick. Uh, some stuff on the most recent epidemic that had, a really big deadly impact. I mean, there was Zika in like 2016 or something like that, but the big, last big bad epidemic to happen was Ebola. And Ebola uh is a bad bad thing. It uh it is <laughs> <laughs> it's like the scariest disease uh that I had ever really heard of. I remember learning about it in high school and just being so afraid. Yeah, the only thing that would make it more terrifying would be as if it was airborne. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The 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 one the one sort of uh, nice thing about Ebola was the thing where it was like, look, it's obviously infectious like anything else, but you have to like make out with somebody. To, <laughs> to, to, to it's like very, isn't it? It is like saliva based, right? It's it, uh, it's contact with body fluids through open yeah. wounds. Yeah, it's very fluidy. But, yeah, yeah. But the whole thing is is like. One thing that I heard about Ebola is one of the reasons why it actually was contained pretty well is because it would just kill an entire village before it could spread too fast. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, like it, like that was the thing that scared the living shit out of me because once one person gets the disease, your body becomes like a like a water balloon full of Ebola juice, 
and you just like any touch to you and the juice comes out and if it if that touches you in any way if any particulate gets on yeah. you you're gonna get it and you're gonna die you're gonna become uh, you're like a big juicy berry you become a big juice <laughs> you're so juicy and you know when you try to eat some juicy berries and you get that juice on your fingers and it's so sticky and juicy <laughs> Now imagine that is a life-threatening, uh, li- body-liquefying virus. Yeah, 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 yeah. The fun thing to know about Ebola, yeah, it just liquefies your insides and turns them into like death. Basically. Yeah, you. Yeah, <laughs> everything leaks. Yeah. It definitely. It's it speaks. It's it speaks to the psychology of disease and and viral stuff. Which is why the coronavirus has been like protested and stuff because it's just like. You know, we in the recent last week or so, we've had a lot of people going to the capitals of, of the United States and being like, I need to go back to work. And so and but if like if we had an actual Ebola outbreak, it's just like, oh, no, you would you absolutely wouldn't get the small business dipshits going out there. They'd be like, no, I will actually not liquefy my kidneys. Yeah. Uh, to, to go <laughs> protest this. Because not well, today. Yeah. Corona doesn't have the coronavirus doesn't have the aesthetic appeal to make it as horrifying coronavirus because if, if you corona like when you get it, it, it a you can be asymptomatic or a, a mild case of it just comes off like the flu or like a cold mm-hmm. but with mm-hmm. ebola people's eyes start bleeding <laughs> so you they go full, they go full Joe Biden. that it's the flu like if bolsonaro yeah. had ebola he couldn't be like no you all have to go back to work viva brazil or whatever the fuck he's gonna say yeah, yeah like yeah, his yeah. eyes would be bleeding and that like a Billie Eilish video, it would be horrifying. <laughs> yeah, it's like that guy from the first X-Men where he just slowly <laughs> turns into a water kind of like droopy creature. He's like, <laughs> like yeah, that's what happens. I feel like I feel like uh like coronavirus, how it comes on to someone is kind of like the pacing of a Coen Brothers film in that it's just <laughs> it's like really like lighthearted and like weird and arbitrary and then like you're fine everything's okay and then like you like cough once and then you die there, there's yeah. there's just like so much like weird pacing and anticlimax in coronavirus and oftentimes it has a little like weird hubristic element to it as well of like i mean not not, not to say that anyone deserves the, to die from coronavirus but like you've seen stories of people like being like protester of the quarantine died last week after failing to not do his quarantine right or like Uh, the pastor says uh you know god will save me and then has a thousand people come to his service and then gets coronavirus yeah 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 yeah, yeah, exactly or like Um, karen posts on facebook coronavirus is a hoax and and then like the next (laughs) post underneath is like dear god lost my grandparents uh please take it seriously (laughs) yeah. So, um, but uh, it, but but the it's suffice it to say the economic reaction between Corona and uh, Ebola is highly highly different. The first yeah. off, you know, the first being that um, we did not shut things down. With... We only. I mean, this is if we're looking at Ebola impact, we are. This did not affect the United States. We were in the middle of a big old economic expansion. We spent about two billion dollars on this. This affected three countries in West Africa, really, really hard. Sure, and, and not many others. Uh, Eleven thousand people died from the twenty fourteen Ebola epidemic. Uh, no one died in the United States from it. And it really, 
and uh and the body count was I, i'd say relatively low for ebola with that i mean the the uh if you got it you were definitely gonna die especially in in uh like liberia because uh you just needed more medical attention than they had facilities yeah. for they didn't have the resources to deal with it like yeah. the people that got it in the united states they uh there were like 11 or 12 cases in the u.s and it was mm -hmm. they were fairly easy much easier to treat because we had the resources it's mm -hmm. just a very uh capital intensive uh disease to treat and, and you and you know when you get it like immediately like, <laughs> yeah honey like, like have my said. eyes always been bleeding what, what, <laughs> what's going on here yeah actually you know i didn't think about this but in that way it is a excellent um an excellent sort of like uh contrast to coronavirus because you know with ebola it was just sort of you know like you could take care of it and yeah. in and it, it very much it was a pain it, it was really hard to make sure that people's stomachs weren't exploding and, and all that shit you know and it certainly used resources that hospitals um could have used in other ways but like it, with a war with the with the coronavirus it's a it's a war of a it's a war of attrition it's a war of like uh you know how many people can we take on at once and if we get above a certain number that's when people start dying and ebola was sort of like this little this little glimpse into it where hospitals were not pushed to the max but they're like jesus imagine if this actually was a problem mm -hmm. yeah where, where it was a huge problem in um in uh like liberia again and uh, where else was it? New Guinea? Uh, Guinea? Uh, Sierra Leone? Was that one of them? I believe yes. so. And, or Guyana? I'm not sure. I can't remember. But they were West African countries, and they... I got it right, I got it right here. They, uh, they also were suffering in some of these communities from rabies at the same time, and <laughs> oh, malaria, and uh, just a variety of other, like, parasites and... Um, other diseases that just were like around because of lack of sanitation and poverty. So it was that... Guinea, Liberia, and Sierra Leone. Mm, okay. And yeah. Liberia, if you if you all remember from history, Liberia was a country that America created in theory to send back African Americans back to Africa after <laughs> emancipation. Oh wow! I yeah. Oh, wait, the wait. name Liberia comes from like yeah. liberating. Yeah, and it also oh. had, yeah, and it also had like one of the most brutal civil wars of the twentieth century, like bad bad shit. It, it's just like one of the poorest countries on earth has been like ravaged from just like so many problems. It's a and it's all a of the warlords have names that could easily have belonged to the founding fathers of the U.S. It's like John Taylor, <laughs> <laughs> like the oh, cannibal oh, wait, wait. butcher of Liberia. <laughs> Dude, is that is is that that one country where its capital is like Monrovia or something yeah. like that? Yeah. Oh yeah, my man. God! Ooh, so Liberia. It yeah, <laughs> it is. It is. Uh, it is an uh, an export of uh, American founding fathers' thirteen colonies culture. Thumbs yeah. up. Our country is of the <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So they to go over like a couple like big stats. Uh, two point two billion dollars was lost in twenty fifteen in the gross domestic product of those three countries. Right. So if yeah. your GDP is already pretty low, 
you're gonna get you got really 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 hurt i mean like they said it looked like in sierra leone their gdp per capita growth in 2014 was 10 percent, and then in 2015 it was maybe seven and a half and then their mm. gdp like the so they, they got hit pretty hard from that and and, and this is but then like liberia in uh places of high ebola in 2014 their gdp per capita growth was negative four. Oh god <laughs> and their gdp per capita uh in 2015 was like 0.5.3 or something and then they bounced back a little bit more uh these were in places with high ebola risk this is all from the united nations they did some report on the economic impact on on this stuff uh yeah you might be able to speak on this a little bit david uh can you explain very briefly like what it means to lose like a percent of a gdp because like i've been looking at that and i don't think people fully realize where it's like if your gdp goes down by like a percent it really like it's a wide reaching effect essentially because when people think of like oh it was only one percent or like half a percent or something it, it doesn't translate into the actual real world consequences of what that number means i mean G- gdp is just like what you making what are you doing you know yeah yeah, yeah. it's like what like like that, that that is just like what did you and the percentage growth is different from like total right sure uh, sure uh so developing countries have a much higher growth rate than developed countries of gdp because they're just growing faster they're making things faster you know i mean there's like at one point you know India and China were like at ten percent a year in the last decade, sure, or something sure. like that. Uh, whereas the United States hasn't really gone up of three in maybe forty years, and so the GDP is a macroeconomic term, right? And how does it impact people's day to day? It's really just—it's not like bad GDP turns back and hurts somebody in effect. It is a measurement, a measuring device of like how much wealth the country has in total. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so it's it's not like, oh, inflation is high. This is gonna hurt prices. You know, like because high inflation, you know, like inflation will hurt people. It's not that low GDP hurts people. G- low GDP is a reflection that they are that we are making less for whatever reason. Does that make sure. sense? Sure. Yeah, I I the way I sort of play it out in my head is basically like you know, since the coronavirus has hit, they've been like, there's been like numbers thrown around where like there's been a, a loss of this and this. And it's always been like a very small number mm-hmm. when you look when you look at it. And then when you actually factor in the effect it's had on people's lives where people aren't able to go to work and they're not able to make money and stuff like that. I think that's what I'm sort of getting at where it's like, you know, these weird little insignificant numbers, they... They, they don't look like a lot, but they can mean a lot. And I'm not one to say, like, the GDP has to grow necessarily or it has to be the best or mm-hmm. um, or constantly growing. I, I don't I don't believe in that. I What I mean is just sort of how it affects people's daily lives, you know, um, and if they're able if it means they're able to, like, make a living and, you know, not yeah. <laughs> not die of hunger. <laughs> it, it, it's not a force in and of itself. It's a measurement. And that's the yeah. important thing is like things like wages are a force in and of itself inflation is a force in and of itself interest rates are a force in and of itself you know 
the percentage of unions uh, are a force in and of itself, but uh, GDP is just a, a measurement. So yeah, one weird thing that happened, a uh, really intense thing, was the effect on the economy of Sierra Leone. It lost half of its private sector workforce as Woo! a result of Ebola. Wow. Huge, huge losses. Um, and and uh, so that's a bit, that was a big loss. One weird thing is like measuring how much it cost. So I, I read this other thing that came from that Reuters reported on. Reuters reported on this study that was from the Journal of Infectious Diseases. They said that the Ebola outbreak in 2014 cost economies an estimated $53 billion, right? So yeah. that is how much it cost to deal with it. The United, as I said earlier, the United States alone contributed $2 billion of that. Uh, so, but the thing is, is that it calculated that number to include the human capital losses. And yep. they include something, this number called the value of a statistical life. <laughs> this is assigning a monetary value to human life. Yeah. Right? Just straight up. Perfect. And yeah. It's accurate. <laughs> it's perfect every time. <laughs> it's literally, and, and, and so this article itself, and this is something that is used frequently in economics, they, economists try to decide how much a life is worth in every country. I will read mm -hmm. you this set again, like an insane thing, an insane, really. Uh, I can't, I can't really think of just how bad uh, that 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 concept is. Like flawed, it is it is morally right? But so does it. It uh, it it. Uh, would you call that a utilitarian um, worldview? Kind of. Sort of. I, yeah. I, yeah. Which is always which isn't always bad, but is bad in terms of uh, deciding which lives to save. Right. It's kind of, yeah, it's like trolley problem -y, you know, like it's kind of like if you have yeah. like if you have like uh, one European uh, whose value of statistical life is estimated at seven million or nine million versus 10 West Africans with a value of statistical life at five hundred and seventy seven thousand dollars per person, um, you should probably kill the West Africans. Right. Because that, <laughs> in the most utilitarian sense, you're actually saving money. Yeah, you get you get into some real uh, what I like to call dork math, you know, in this situation. <laughs> it's not a it's, it's not a real it's very dork. opaque. <laughs> dork fucking math. Yeah, uh, yeah. Those yeah. those butchers who just killed hundreds of thousands of people they were fucking nerds, man. They were just <laughs> yeah. total dorks. <laughs> so uh, so but uh, kind of concluding this, um, I think one thing to look out for in the future of for corona and how it sort of compares to ebola is a see how it affects africa see how it affects africa especially over the next year or so because there's a lot of very grim statistics saying that africa might just be the worst affected place not now but eventually yeah um and then second keep your eye on the prize when it comes to the guys out there who start doing the weird uh, uh, fucking Nazi math and shit, where they're just sort of like, mm -hmm. eh, maybe my life is worth this. And then you just immediately cut them off and you say, stop it, stop yeah. it. But, <laughs> but who gets the ventilators? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah like, we need the, to see your like college transcripts first. It just reminds me of like the climax in The Dark Knight, you know?
Do you guys remember talking on the boats on the the, the yes. fairy scenes? Yes. You know. And yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 Uh, it's he's um. I, uh, I'll do what needs to be done. Yeah, yeah. Give it to me. You're too scared to get your hands dirty. I'll do it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, uh, yeah. yeah. So watch. So watch out for that. You know, keep an eye out. Again, it's it's hard to compare these things, but um, it it it. I mean, Africa always gets hit real hard by these these you know health health problems and stuff, and uh, this was one of the worst for them. <laughs> yeah, that one was very very bad. I think that assessing the economy the economic impacts of it like the three pandemics that we studied i think were all kind of interesting because they affected different segments of the population they spread at different rates they were at different time periods so they had like different abilities to like contain them like basically after the bubonic plague hit there was basically like an entirely new europe like yeah western mm-hmm. europe was completely everything about it was changed because half the population died by some yeah. numbers, right? Uh, then the Spanish flu, that was a lot of like lost generation war boys who got killed by that. And a very different thing from coronavirus, which is mostly killing the elderly, right? And then yeah. Ebola, this is hitting rural communities and wiping out the entire community, not much else. And it was really reasonably contained. Uh, there was, I mean, they put in, a, there was a lot of money that was put in by foreign aid to prevent it. There was huge losses in private sector growth, agricultural production, trade. Uh, I'm sure that like there was, you know, a lot of people lost their jobs. Obviously, a lot of businesses got shut. But that was all kind of they kind of recovered in, in, in comparatively to what something like the Black Death did, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it's um, it recovered, and it it, it it's only a blip on our radar because it affected the sort of the colonized third world yeah more than it affected Mm -hmm. the the metropole yeah Yeah. it apps yeah it was it's like it was a it's a very stark like precaution or a reminder it's like in essence all all the people who were hit by ebola were effectively self-distancing because they died before they were able to, to be able to travel and, and, it, <laughs> and it's a le- and it's a lesson of like if you have like international cooperation and like robust like assistance in highly affected areas you can actually stop something right yeah to a certain mm-hmm. degree i mean again with coronavirus you don't become it might take you two weeks before you become infected so it's harder to track right but like there is we can do these things. We just um, we just don't. We just didn't just do it dumb. this time. Not tonight. <laughs> not to this time. Not Mm-mm. not today, Satan. Well, guys, this was a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm glad, we're, I'm glad we're able to look through some of these um, these various pandemics. Um, I'm sure we'll uh, we'll we'll be able to pick up on a couple more randomly here and there, but. Uh, yeah, keep your eye on the fucking prize, bro- brothers. Um, you know, make sure you catch some tasty waves. Um, stay pure. Yeah, stay very pure. No sex. Uh, yeah. Well, let's not go too far, you know. Uh, <laughs> stay dr- wanna, stay dry and chaste. Yeah, stay dry. <laughs> stay dry, my friends. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, bye-bye. Love you all guys. All right. Talk to you guys later. Bye. Bye. bye.